0: Oh, yeah, I'm totally with him on that one. Absolutely. Hey, Brian Sussman here. Thanks for joining me. Brian Sussman Show podcast. Who am I with? Uh, I'm with Donald Trump on this. When he had the interview, which talked about it was a Fox News interview with Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson was talking to the president about a number of things, including global warming. Trump said nuclear warming is a far greater threat to the world than global warming. Quote All it takes is one madman, and you're going to have a problem the likes of which this world has never seen. And he's correct. Nuclear warming as opposed to global warming. And here I am talking about global warming and climate change and the atmosphere and science. On the Brian Sussman Show podcast. More on me at briansussman.com. My Facebook page is Brian Sussman Show. Appreciate your following me and liking. And on Instagram, daily doses of inspiration at Brian Sussman Show. We're into our series, Skyjacked. And this in the series is episode, let's make sure here, 15, 16. This is episode 17. Last podcast was 16. So, episode 17 of our Skyjack series. I'm talking in this particular episode about the super fertilizer, CO2. Well, I get uh, irritated because CO2 has suddenly become a pollutant. And I suppose because people these days are so scientifically illiterate, they don't know the difference. But even those who are well acquainted with science have sold out because the end justifies the means. They see a better day ahead. They see a day where the world is unified, everyone comes together, those with low minds are controlled, universal base income, stack and pack housing, bicycles, mass transit. Um, one child policy. Uh, pretty much all their needs will be met. You got TikTok. You're good. Everything's good. Uh, those with a little money, eh, you know, you just go out there and spend $144,000 in your Tesla X and your carbon footprint's been reduced. You don't need to live in stacking back housing necessarily. You're doing good. Buy some carbon offsets, plant a couple of trees. You're all right. These people know better. People with an education know better. Carbon dioxide is not a pollutant. It's required for life. There's been some brilliant research over the years, but one particular place that I think has probably done, well, they probably did the, the groundbreaking research, Michigan State University. They found it with a tripling of CO2, roses, carnations, chrysanthemums, experience earlier maturity, have longer stems, longer, long-lasting, more colorful flowers, yields increasing greatly. Rice, wheat, barley, oats, rye perform yields ranging 64%. Potatoes and sweet potatoes produce as much as 75% more. Peas, beans, soybeans, 46% more. I don't know if you realize this, but when you go to or pass you know, on a highway or whatever, commercial greenhouses... Many times, maybe even most of the time, those greenhouses are being jacked up with CO2. CO2 is being um, introduced to the atmosphere within the greenhouse because it's a dramatic effect. I just read to you the increased yields. The effects of carbon dioxide on trees, which cover one third of the Earth's land mass, may be even more dramatic Because according to Michigan State, trees have been raised to maturity in months instead of years when the seedlings were raised in a triple CO2 environment. In other words, more CO2 in the atmosphere, you're going to see forests growing better, faster, healthier. And and what do the forests do? They absorb the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. It's this wonderful symbiotic relationship. It's a cycle. It's a completely organic fertilizer that's also recyclable. Think of that. Now let's talk about this carbon cycle for just a moment. When a major volcano erupts on the Pacific Rim, when a lightning-induced forest fire rages in the Rockies, when an Indonesian peat bog eternally smolders, huge amounts of long-stored CO2 are naturally released into the atmosphere. Carbon dioxide is banked in weathering rocks. It's found in decaying coral. Even decomposing plants and dead animals are emitting carbon dioxide back into the cycle. It's no different with carbon that's uh, cached in fossil fuels. When it's consumed, you know, used for energy, it's released into the atmosphere where it's temporarily held and finally absorbed by a variety of repositories or carbon sinks. It's... Friends, God put this whole thing together knowing we would be here. Knowing there were going to be a lot of us. Knowing that we would, we would give our, our ingenuity... Uh, would give rise to an industrial revolution. He knew there would be bad actors and he knew there would be good actors. But he put this whole thing together in such a way that it really does a wonderful job of managing itself despite us. Now let's talk about carbon sinks. Okay, carbon sinks. Because... The most obvious sink, you know, a repository where carbon dioxide is temporarily, temporarily held and then finally absorbed. So you have the fossil fuels being burned. They emit carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Eventually that falls out and goes into a carbon sink. The most obvious sink is the atmosphere itself, but the largest sink includes all body of waters. 71% of the Earth's surface is water. It holds vast stores of dissolved carbon dioxide. And that dissolved carbon dioxide forms the hard exoskeletons of creatures like snails and shellfish and coral. Next time you're eating a lobster or a crab, hey, thank God for CO2. The ocean's floor is rich in sedimentary limestone. It's a, it's a petrified modification of CO, CO2, also known as calcium carbonate. By the way, the same stuff you take to ease a tummy ache or heartburn. That's carbon. Carbon dioxide is everywhere. It's abundant in ancient peat moss deposits, coal seams, natural gas and petroleum reserves, as well as newly fallen autumn leaves, recently felled trees, and inhuman in human and animal bodies and corpses. It's everywhere. And through the process of decay, the carbon stored in all organic substances is eventually released back into the air as an inorganic carbon dioxide to be reworked into the carbon cycle. It's amazing! I have to tell you, before 1980, there was no concern over increased carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. The term global warming before 1980, I I, I don't know that it was ever used. If it was, hardly at all. In fact, most folks living in the mid and upper latitudes were thrilled to finally be out of a deep freeze that ran from 1945 to 1975. We had 30 years. Everyone thought we were going to an ice age. As temperatures continued to warm in the 90s, global warming was suddenly heard more and more often. And there was an increase in research, research, trying to blame fossil fuel consumption and its byproducts. And the byproducts being carbon dioxide. On the warmer readings, the term climate change was finally introduced into the lexicon eh, late '90s. Whereas global warming describes temperatures on the Earth's surface, climate change, gosh, genius, inferred the entire atmosphere and climate system was in peril. Climate. Listen, I can say this: I worked in television news during those decades. Climate change was made for dramatic headlines, just like the atmospheric river which we've talked about. If you want to know more about that, listen to the last podcast. Atmospheric river is was made for headlines. That feature in meteorology has been around probably forever. Without it our planet is in trouble. We need atmospheric rivers. At any given time on the planet there are 4 or 5 going on. Scary scenarios. Frighten the masses into submission. You know, politicians, rulers, demagogues, activists, they've always used fear to effectively intimidate subordinates and enemies and create division amongst the masses. Fear. It's a powerful weapon that can blur logic, alter behavior, silence the critics. And Karl Marx, Karl Marx, was convinced the proletariat, you know, the, the, the lower-minded people, are more emotional and consequently less logical. World leaders get this too. So they've adopted this philosophy. And they, they believe people often regret, regress to tribalism when they're afraid. So let's get them more and more afraid. Labels, stereotypes, distrust, conflict between us and them. We've got our media allies. We'll maintain control. We'll get more control. We'll put them where they should be, the workers. That's exactly what we're seeing today. Over and over, an entire generation has heard the frightening rhetoric of climate doom, and they now believe the Earth's weather patterns have been forced out of control because of people, pollution. The only answer some see is to live, like I mentioned earlier, stack and pack housing, go vegan, don't have children, but if you do only have one, don't buy a car, but if you have to, make sure it's electric. And for those who dare question anthropogenic climate change, they're part of the denier tribe. You know, flat earthers who don't believe in science, don't hang around them. They're dangerous. Maybe we should liken them to the scene of a mass murder. After all, that's what the former vice president did. Yes, I'm serious. CNN, July 24th, 2022. Al Gore likened the climate crisis deniers to the police officers in Uvalde, Texas, who failed to take action as 21 school children and teachers were gunned down in their classrooms. They heard the screams. They heard the gunshots and nobody stepped forward, said Al Gore. I don't make this stuff up. He said the climate deniers, quote, are really in some ways similar to all of those almost 400 law enforcement officers in Uvalde, Texas. Friends, that is sickening. And yet this guy remains the rock star of those seeking to divide us. Former vice president, before that he was a Tennessee senator, got the job in large measure because of his daddy who held the same position, his filmmaker, author, Al Gore, the guy who gave that speech at Davos in 2023 that many in the media, even people on the left said was in unhinged, boiling oceans, atmospheric rivers, rain bombs, <laughs> climate refugees. It's sickening, quite frankly and then his big film, An Inconvenient Truth. You know, this guy, when you think about it, he's a carbon billionaire. He really is. I think he's, he's worth hundreds of millions. He's a carbon billionaire. He's made, his, he's made the largesse of his fortune off of scaring people regarding CO2. I don't know how much money he gives to charity. I, I hope he gives a lot away. I don't know, though. I really don't know. But it's interesting because that movie, An Inconvenient Truth to the Untrained Eye, one of the more alarming scenes in the film involves a graphical representation of the world's major cities being submerged due to a rise in sea level as Antarctica and Greenland melt. And he says, if this were to go, sea levels worldwide would go up 20 feet. You know, by to go, he's saying completely melt. And, And it's... And then he goes on. He said, this is the World Trade Center memorial site. After the horrible events of 9-11, we said never again. But this is what would happen to Manhattan. And then whoosh, tsunami of water. And he says they can measure this precisely. Hmm. How? He never says, because they can't. But he's likening global warming to the evils wrought by planes flying into New York skyscrapers on 9-11. No one ever calls him for it. Is it possible that we should prepare against other threats besides terrorists, he asked in the movie? You know, kids watch this movie. Kids, kids, we got an entire generation, basically, that's grown up with seeing this movie. They believe it. These poor kids are scared. We have a generation on our hands. It's so sad. You got to pray for this generation, friends. I'm serious. I do. You thought... The 60s generation was wayward. And some of you were part of the 60s generation. Others, even, others of you have only read about it. Uh, the old timers that were watching that are, are pretty much leaving us now. They're dying off. But the 60s generation, they were, they were, it was a lost generation. I don't really know exactly what happened. I think a lot of it had to do with dads. Uh, the, the country was harmed. I mean, we really took it in the shorts after, after World War II. A lot of guys came back and I think I can speak for my dad. They came back from the war and it was just like, you know, the last four years, six years, eight years, what had it ever been for the guys? You know, this was hell. I have i grew up in poverty during the Depression. I went to this war, saw a lot of bad stuff. The United States is booming. We're on track. I'm going to work my butt off and make something of my life. It's a apply the needs for my family best I could. I think that's what happened. I think our dads just got so busy with life that in many cases they forgot about God. They were thinking about career and they were thinking about putting food on the table that included meat and having a nice car to drive and nice clothes for their kids. They were drinking a lot. And I think there was a generation that paid for it. And they started looking for love and acceptance in all the wrong places. Drugs, sex, rock and roll. And there were some crazy drugs. I mean, people were taking LSD like it was Excedrin. Or Tylenol. Or whatever. It was a crazy time. And yet, there was a revival that took place. And many, many, many wayward teens and young adults got completely changed because of that Jesus revolution. I'm praying the same thing will happen today. I'm looking at this generation and they are so lost. They've grown up scared of climate change, frightened because of all the lies that have been told. They broke, they grew up in dysfunctional families. Sometimes without a father, sometimes without a mother, sometimes without both being raised by grandparents never got proper affirmation, and now they are so confused that in some cases they become delusional. I pray for them. I pray for this nation. We are in such deep water right now, and I'm not talking about Al Gore's melting melting, uh, ice caps. And that's why I feel like these podcasts are so important because I know a little bit about this topic and I want to share what I know. And maybe it's gonna make a difference here or there. And in the meantime, away from this, I've got my Brian Sussman Show Instagram page, Daily Doses of Inspiration. And what I mean by inspiration is it's purely biblical. And then, between my wife and I and friends, I do pray for this nation because I believe in life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Those are all natural laws. Those are are laws that God put in the heart of mankind. Life, liberty, which means freedom from a tyrannical government, and the pursuit of happiness, which means the ability to own your own property. And that means so much to people. You ever seen somebody uh, buying a house for the first time, how excited they are? You ever see somebody buy a plot of land for the first time? Or maybe it's the last time. Hey, I've wanted this place my whole life. I've always wanted to live out here. And now you know what? I'm in my 50s, 60s, 70s, and I got it. Maybe there's someone who will never own a piece of property or house, but they got that car and they love it. Maybe it's just the clothes on their back. Maybe it's the food they put on their table. That is yours. You worked hard for that. What about the property between your ears, your beliefs? Guess what? Karl Marx loathed all of that. Nobody, he said as a materialist, had a right to property, physical or intellectual. I will stop right there. I was gonna talk about sea level. Maybe we'll talk about that and the melting North Pole in the next podcast. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. More at com and the Facebook page, which is continually throttled. Yeah, Brian Sussman Show. God bless you, my friends. I do appreciate you. Until next time.